This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. This is Charlie uh, reporting in from my home office in Prince Edward County. Boy, what a difference a day makes. Yesterday was very, very warm. Actually, the last few days have been super warm, super humid. Um, actually, really good growing weather in a lot of ways. And then all of a sudden today, the temperatures dropped and the rain is coming down. And I'm not going to complain about the rain. Trust me. We need rain. We've needed rain out here uh, for the last two months or pretty much all summer. So it, it's a good thing. And, and I can tell you more about what I'm growing and why I'm growing it. But uh, in the meantime, uh, big, big hugs. I want to send out to Frank. It was super fun having Frank Proctor here last week. Actually, not here at my office. We were both in the studio. It was nice to see him. I hadn't seen him in quite a while. And he was his usual wacky self. So um, I just want to send him a big, a big hug and, and he'll be back. He's not with us today, but uh, he will be back. And in the meantime, of course, I'm here. Happy to answer any of your gardening questions. So I guess since I'm the only one here, I can't delegate giving the phone numbers to anyone but myself. So if you are calling in from the the local calling area in the GTA, the phone number is 416-360-0740. And if you're calling anywhere outside the GTA, which would be long distance, it's 866-740-4740. Four zero, and I'm joining you via Skype right now. And uh, hopefully, that you can hear me, and the audio is good. And Carlos is at the other end there, helping and and going to fill in information onto my screen, so I'll know who's calling. And uh, you know, welcome you to the show. Um, in the meantime, though, I just <clears throat> wanted to mention, you know, this rain thing and why it's a good thing. This has been such a great fall or autumn for growing grass or or fixing our lawns, or, you know, frankly, for planting or transplanting anything. But but this has just been a wonderful, wonderful fall. The air temperature has been warm. Of course, the soil temperature is optimal. So we've got lots of great uh, warmth in the soil. And that makes a huge difference because getting plants into the ground, whether it be seeds of grass or, you know, bulbs or, or transplanting our favorite perennials or shrubs, that warm soil makes such a difference in terms of the, um, the the roots getting going. You know, that's what it's all about. That's what plants need to do is get their roots growing as a priority. And once that's happening, then the plants are good to go. So honestly, Elliot, I call him the weed warrior now. He's just been so busy pulling weeds and filling, you know, topsoiling in the, what we call overdressing tops, you know, over, over dressing with soil and then, you know, over seeding with grass seed there. Our lawn is looking pretty good. Um, the other plant that, or the crop we had that was very good. And this is a true story, um, is great hot summer. And I have wonderful triple mix in my gardens. 
I had a bumper cannabis crop this year. Um, not that I'm a big consumer of cannabis, but I do have a couple of kids that spend quite a min- bit of money on it. So I, uh, I planted a couple of seeds that were provided to me from a student and my daughter got some seeds and got them growing. So sure enough, we had four monster plants on the property, which have just been coming down over the last few weeks. Uh, the last two plants are currently hanging in my garage and uh, doing their curing, kind of like tobacco, right? You know how you hang tobacco to cure it before you do any leaf stripping? Same idea, except in this case, it's mostly bud stripping. But anyway, it's just, it's kind of ironic because way, way, way back when I started studying horticulture in the 1970s at the University of Guelph, I thought, you know what, I'll study horticulture and I'll be able to, you know, once it's legal, I'll grow the best cannabis in the world. So, um, you know, that was my intention. And of course, once I graduated, there I was, uh, graduated with no legal cannabis. And here we are, 45 years later, cannabis is legal and I don't really care to uh, to do anything. But anyway, that's, uh, that's, that's the bottom line. And uh, it's kind of fun. Growing anything is fun. It's always creative and, and fun to grow things. Um, Carlos has let me know that Sharon is on the line. So thanks, Carlos. And Sharon, will be right with you as soon as we come back after this important message from our sponsors. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed. Here we are on the garden show on a beautiful, rainy fall morning. And I would love to hear from you, whether you've got questions or tips or techniques or suggestions. And we currently have Sharon on the line. Good morning, Sharon. Hello, Charlie. And it was good to hear Frank's voice last week, too. Yeah. Yes, I just called to see if I could get your comment. Um, You were saying about the warm weather. I think some of my flowers think it's spring. Mm-hmm. Um, our purple iris is blooming again. <laughs> and uh, yes. just never seen anything like this before. They're beautiful, beautiful flowers. I just wanted to get your comments about them having a bloom again. Do they really think it's spring already? Well, okay, so I don't know if they think it's spring, but they certainly are responding as if it's spring. So that what happened, I think, we didn't, I'm not sure, probably where you are, it was the same as me. We didn't have any, we really haven't had any cold. So it's not like they think winter has already come and gone. But of course, we did have a very, very hot, dry, stressful summer. So that stress and that heat set up um, a certain amount of of early um, dormancy in plants, early defoliation of some trees. And then all of a sudden we started getting rain and all this mild weather. And I'm exactly the same. I had a magnolia pop a few blooms open. So the buds are there just like your irises. You know, the early spring blooming plants do set their flower bulb, sorry, flower buds in the fall. So suddenly the conditions were perfect from the plant's perspective and it popped open a couple of magnolia flowers. I've seen some rhododendron uh, blooms pop open. So your irises are doing the same thing. So don't panic. Uh, Won't hurt the plants. Enjoy them. Enjoy them early. Uh, Will Will they bloom in spring all right now and too? Well, that's a good question. So I would, I think the ones that are blooming right now will not. However, there may be other 
little um, stems and sprouts that will bloom in that same patch. But those exact same plants, I do not think will bloom twice, but you never know. They might. Yeah, we have seven or eight blooming right now, so it's beautiful to see. Exactly. Enjoy while you can, and don't get confused what month it is. Thank you. Thanks for calling. That's pretty funny. That happens for sure. Anybody else got that going on? Things blooming that aren't supposed to be? Uh, Let's see what's going on in Dunville. We have Chris on the line. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. Good morning. I'll keep it quick so others can get on. Uh, I've got a pussy willow tree. It's about 38 years old when I planted the first stick. Now it's about 15 feet high and probably that wide across. But now it's got so gangly. I'm only getting pussy willows up near the top. If I were to cut that off two or three feet high this fall, Charlie, do you think it would come back? Likely. Pussy willows are pretty hard to kill. Well, yeah, but this... It's it's just getting old. It needs a, a, a good trimming, and I just thought, well, we good, took a good sharp chainsaw and cut it off, what, a couple feet high? Well, and yes, and what you may find happens is that um, by cutting it down that low and being that sort of shocking on it, you may find that next spring your new growth will come from ground level. So come from the root rather than from that, that stump of a stem that you're going to end up leaving there. Yeah, because so, there's an awful lot of dead, like you... It's too hard to go through it to try to take the dead stuff out. Like like I say, pussy willows on the top, but nothing down below. Well, they're super vigorous growers. They're very tough plants, and but they're short-lived plants. So there is a possibility that it won't survive. But if you're ever going to do that kind of a radical pruning or rejuvenation pruning, now is the time to do it in the fall. Yeah, that's, so that's try kind of what I figured. But anyway, yeah. I'll try yeah. it and find out what happens. Okay, thank you for your time. Thanks for calling, Chris. And yeah, we did. We had an email from a similar question a couple of weeks ago. I believe I answered it, unless I don't think it's still in my pile here. Uh, it was a question about the old pussy willow stem stuck into the ground 30 years ago, and now the tree is so big, it's become a bit dangerous because they're fast growing, they're loose limbed, they're, uh, they break easily. So that's a plant that if you're going to grow any willow, whether it's a pussy willow or a weeping willow or any kind of willow, stay on top of it. Don't let that plant dominate for 20 or 30 years. Every year, give it a give it a bit of a hard pruning, give it a you know a haircut as necessary. Keep it so that the new New growth is where you can access it and recognize that they are uh, what we would call sort of a messy tree in the sense that they That's do. One of, those, one, of, one of those things that I used to do that, but then one year goes by and then eight or nine's gone by and, <laughs> you know, just <laughs> the way it goes. It'll grow three feet in a year if you let it. No, it's absolutely true. And you're right. Like you want those pussy willows down where, you know, the new growth down where you can enjoy it and, you know, bring some some in in the spring and, you know, add some to your planters out front. Uh, I currently have the same thing going on in the back of my house. Leftover from the spring, rooted up pussy willow stems in a planter that I am tossing and turning whether I want to plant them out on the property, but I think I'll just leave them in a planter for the winter. Winter well, this and one's in a low spot that's really helped dry it up. There you go. You know, and so, my, but that's uh, a good anyway, that's, a, that's, that's the way it goes. Should I give that when I, in the spring now, if I, I got a few bags of triple 10 mm. fertilizer, mm. sprinkle mm. a bit of that on it in the spring maybe? 
Yeah, only if you really want to make it grow faster than it's already going to grow. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I would maybe do a little top dressing. And you're right, putting it in a low area was a good idea because it will help. That Willows love water. So it will oh, help yeah. uh, clear up moist areas, which is why I've been hesitating because the place I was going to plant it is a fairly low area, but it's not very far from my well. And the last thing oh, I want to do no, is say goodbye good. to my my well water to a pussy willow. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, thanks. I'll let you go. I like the show. Thanks for calling. Yeah, appreciate your your question and and your feedback. It's always fun. So uh, again, it is time for a quick break. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back with The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed. Here we are, the Garden Show being broadcast live and direct, not only from Zoomer, the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village in Toronto, but also from my home office here in Prince Edward County on this rainy, uh, gloomy, but very pretty day. The, the lawns are super green. The trees are oranges and yellows, and uh, the wind is starting to pick up. It's been very humid, and a little bit of wind is going to be a good thing to uh, move some of that humidity through. I'm going to just quickly repeat the phone numbers because I would love to hear from you if you've got something to share, whether it's a question, um, a tip, a technique, uh, an experience. I do have email as well, so we have no shortage of people wondering about what's going on in their gardens. But if you are local in the GTA area, phone number is 416-360-0740. If you're outside the GTA, like in my neighborhood, for example, you can call in to Carlos at 866-740-4740. And in the meantime, I see we have Sandy waiting patiently on the line, calling in from Guelph. Good morning, Guelph. I'm sorry. Good morning, Sandy. (laughs) Good morning, Charlie. How are you today? Um, excellent. How are you? Good. Um, I have my very first Mandevilla vine, and I brought it indoors. I had it out summer, and it was fantastic. All the leaves and the small flower buds are all starting to turn yellow and fall off. Um, I have it near a bright window. I don't know if I should keep fertilizing it or what if I'm actually going to have a plant. So here's the scoop. When it was outside all summer, you probably had it in a full sun spot on your deck or something like that, right? Yes. Right. So when we take a plant, and this is true for a number of the emailers as well. There's a, I know um, there's a question on Dracaena from Barbara Connor. Same question, bringing a plant indoors. Uh, There was one from... Diane, Jeffrey, was it Diane who wanted to bring in a coleus plant? So plants that are outside that we've enjoyed and loved outside on our decks and and our patios, places like that. Remember, they are in the real world. So they're getting lots of light, whether it's direct or indirect, but it's bright and it's it's you know, it, it is what it is. When we bring those plants in, even like you said, you put it in the brightest, sunniest window in your house that mandevilla is still not getting the kind of light it was getting outside. Our windows are fancy. They've got all kinds of UV filters on them. um, And so we don't get that same brightness. So, of course, what does the plant do? It says, well, I'm okay with all this, 
But the leaves that are on the plant have grown specifically to handle the light levels that the plant was receiving outside. So the the green part of the plant, the chloroplasts, which are the green um, parts of the plant, um, are the the quantity, the density is all based on that intensity of outdoor light. A mandevilla can survive inside in a bright sunny window, but it needs to grow different leaves, leaves that will be able to still produce the carbohydrates that plants produce when they're photosynthesizing. So that's why it's dropping leaves. And that's why plants will often do that, though. They'll go into a bit of a shock. So a tip is in the future, if you're bringing a plant inside uh, from outside at the end of the summer, Start to do what I call reverse hardening off. So in the spring, we harden off our plants to toughen them up to go out into the real world. We take them out slowly, gently, one hour a day for a couple of days, two hours a day, little bit of sun, little bit of wind until they're ready to handle the real world. Now we do the opposite. Start putting the plants in the shade for um, a period of time. Start doing some protection on them from the real world, the temperatures, the, the rain, the whatever. But it's mostly the light levels. Lower the light levels over a period of 10 days or so before you bring the plants in. And now that they're in and you're finding yellowing, um, accept that. Don't worry about it. Uh, you, I would probably trim that mandevilla back fairly hard. I'd keep it in that bright, sunny spot. Only water when it's dry and make sure that you really feel or get a moisture meter make sure that soil is not just dry on the surface but it's dry virtually through the pot and it's probably in a fair sized pot so stick your finger in stick a moisture meter in water as you know necessary to keep it alive but be careful with overwatering because the growth of the plant is slowed right down <clears throat> plants know winter's coming right we, even tropical plants know winter's coming so they're just slowing down and light levels are lower temperatures are cooler uh, and uh, and do not fertilize because fertilizing is um could likely cause more damage than good at this time of year. Again, just because the plants are not actively growing, so they're not going to actively absorb that fertilizer. Okay. And when you say trim back, what? how severe trim back to maybe well, from a foot and a half down to six inches? Um, you could go that extreme. <clears throat> what I would do... If I had a plant like yours, I would follow each of the little tendrils down until I found some green growth, whether it's a green bud or an existing green leaf, even green stems, because it's the green that you need on the plant for in order for it to slowly but surely start to produce more leaves. So you do need to leave some green on the plant. Otherwise, you will push it into absolute dormancy and then it could die depending on the, you know, the sort of the circumstances under which that happens. So I would, yeah, I would just cut back. uh, And yes, you, if you've got green stems, green buds, green leaves right down at the base, absolutely cut it back hard. If not, then I would just cut it back, yeah, by about a third or so. Okay. And uh, because it being a tropical, it wouldn't survive if I put it in a a semi-heated garage with lower light levels to go dormant? Yes, some people do that as well. That is an option. And that is going completely dormant if you do that. So that you would expect all the leaves to drop. You expect no growth. Uh, At that point, you do no fertilizer. Uh, You do need to keep it frost-free. The plant will die if it goes below zero. Um, So it... So and that again has you will you would check on it every month or so. 
if it, you don't want it to go bone dry because again it could die you want some moisture in that root ball but you certainly don't want it saturated and okay. and then the plant will believe it or not will know in around february march that the days are getting longer and it will start to the the buds will start to swell the little tips will start to extend and at that point you'll probably want to bring it into your house and get it growing in the brightest spot you've got oh Okay. And so right now, um, having it over the winter months in a warm environment is not going to harm it? No, it's not. It's just that because it's in a warm environment, it's going to be more awake than it would be in a cool environment. So your need to care for it is a little bit higher in that warm environment. So a little more water is going to be required. Not a bad idea if you can look for ways to increase the humidity because this is a plant that does like humidity and our homes tend to be quite dry in the winter. Yeah. So spritzing every day, every day or so. And then also just keeping an eye on it because it can be stressful for plants being in our hot, dry homes in the winter. So keeping an eye looking, just making sure that there's no little pests that suddenly arrive, white fly, mealybug, you know, spider mites. There are insects that take advantage of tropical plants that are not happy in our hot homes. And make sure, of course, that that plant is not right over top of a heat vent. So you don't want hot air blowing on it. Okay. 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 I'm, I, I feel excited that maybe it might survive for me. So <laughs> oh, it I'm, might. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Lots of times, yeah. And I thank you very much for your help today. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for calling. Yeah, bringing in plants we love is not unusual. There's, you know, I have a beautiful big rosemary plant outside right now. Like, I had it in for the last couple of winters, and I put it out this year, and it just took off. It's huge. And everybody says, oh, you got to bring it in. you got to bring it in. It's like... It needs a huge pot if I'm bringing it in. And I just don't know if I want a huge rosemary plant in my house. So I don't think I'll be bringing it in. I think I'm just going to let it pass away. I'm afraid to say. So uh, double checking here. So my next caller, because Carlos is the best and he's looking after us, is uh, looks like Sheila is calling in from Etobicoke. Good morning, Sheila. Good morning, Charlie. Uh, a question for you, Charlie, please. I have uh, my boxwood, and they look so fresh and look look like they've got new growth on them. Is mm-hmm. it a good time to give them a trim, like a haircut? No, I wouldn't. Uh, you can if you really want to once it gets colder. Because remember what happens when we prune plants and it's been so mild. So keep in mind the, the mild temperatures. Yeah. When we prune plants, just like if we get a haircut, it stimulates our hair to grow. Yeah. <clears throat> it's the same with things like boxwood. Okay. You get a nice little shearing to those plants because you want to tidy them up. I get it. I, you want them to look nice for the winter. But you, are, you will be stimulating more new growth and oh, frost is coming. That oh, cold so weather that's coming will the way they are then till the spring. I would. Yeah, because you're you're going to lose that new growth to cold weather. Better yeah. to let the plant just naturally slow down. You know, go dormant as dormant as they ever go. They're not truly ever dormant for the winter. And then once spring arrives and you start to really see new growth bursting out, then go to town and tidy them up. And with your boxwood, remember spring, like spring as in maybe late May, early June, do a nice pruning, nice and tidy. And then when they're starting to look a little out of sorts, by the mid or late August, you can clean them up. But then after that, no more pruning. Okay, thank you, Charlie. Is it necessary yeah. to burlap them? Are they what side of the house are they are on? They are on the south side. 
So the south side tends to be the sunniest side, so you've got lots of sun beating down on them in the yeah. late winter. Are they anywhere near the road where there might be salt spray? No, no. And you're, you're careful to not use salt on your property no, for no, no. melting there's ice? No, no, such as a house. Yeah, so the there's only about, thing that we, There's about uh, 10 of them just lining my boulevard, well, so to say. Yeah, so the thing, the reason why we would burlap them would be to protect them from the sun. And because the, the sun will beat down on a hot day in February or a very you know, warm day in February, mm-hmm. and then the sun will go down and the temperature will plummet and the plant will have kind of woken up a bit during that sunny day. And okay. then all of a sudden it, uh, it gets hit with cold weather. I don't know if I'd wrap them. It's a lot of work to wrap that many. No, uh, I, my husband, we just put steaks and that's covered the top. Well, no, don't cover the top. Cover okay. the, the south side. Oh, so put no, stakes at the either top. end. Okay. Yeah, and run burlap uh, vertical to, along the, the south side of the boxwood yeah. and uh, and protect that side from the sun streaming in and hitting the sides of the plants. Okay. Allow snow to drop on top. I mean, I wouldn't pile a lot of snow on top, but allow snow to fall. And remember with any of our evergreens, I know it seems silly to talk about this on such a wet day, but... When we start getting into the colder weather, which is still probably a month from now, let's keep our hoses out. Let's make sure the soil is well saturated around our evergreens, particularly our broadleafed evergreens like boxwood, before the ground freezes. That makes a huge difference over oh, the winter. Yes, okay. And they're turning off the sprinkler system this week. So yeah, but keep a hose out or just make sure you've got a big watering can. Just because yeah. we could get into weeks and weeks of sunshine. That has happened in the past okay. as we get closer to, to frost. Okay, thank you so very much. You're very welcome. Thank you for calling. And um, I'm just uh, writing. I always like to write down the questions that people call. I have years and years worth of books of all your names and where you call me from and what you ask. I have 13 and a half years worth of questions from callers. Someday I'm going to write a book. Someday when I retire, whenever that is, I'm going to write a book. Um, All right. We still have a few minutes to check in back to Etobicoke and see what's going on at Arthur's place. Good morning, Arthur. Yes, good morning. How are you this morning? Excellent. How are you? Pretty good, thank you. I have an aloe plant. I've had this plant for about eight or nine years now, mm-hmm. and it started in a little four-inch pot when I bought it. Yeah. Now, this last year, I've got it now in a 10-inch pot. Right. It started to bloom like crazy. Some of the stems are at least 12 or 15 inches long. Wow. Now, I've got, I've got three roots coming out of it. Can I separate those roots without killing the plant? Right. When you say roots, you mean like individual little plants, like little suckers. Yeah. No, they're, they're like uh, 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 fat bulbs. Sorry, they're like what? They're like uh, uh, three three roots coming out uh, of the plant. But do they, do they look like roots or are they little green leaves? No, they're roots. Oh, that's interesting. And they're growing up they're growing out of up. the soil. Huh. Now, I've, I've counted them. I've got 19 stems coming out of those three roots. Oh I, see, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So, yes, you can separate them. And, yes, you can have 19 different plants if you want. Um, <laughs> they're little pups or babies that the, the mother plant will very naturally set uh, what are called offsets or, or daughter plants off of the main. And they'll grow off the root. That's when we call them suckers. Right. Um, yeah, it's great that you got them, your aloe flowering, which means it's an extremely happy plant. So whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Uh, in terms of doing any kind of separation and, and providing plants to friends and family, I would wait, if you can, until February or March. Uh-huh. Only because 
any transplanting or any manipulation of in, of our plants is stressful on the plants. So we tend to want to keep our stressful uh, procedures for when the plants are more likely to be able to cope and they will cope better in the spring when they start into active growth. Right now your aloe is, is just like all of our plants hunkering down for the winter. So it kind of just wants to be left alone and, and, you know, be like a bear and go into hibernation and don't poke, don't <laughs> <Right>. poke at <laughs> it. <laughs> so, so if you can leave it, I would leave it and, and don't poke around and wait and then have, you know, spread your newspapers on the dining room table, get that plant up there, you know, pull the whole thing out of the pot and separate it into as many pieces as you want and oh. repot. Of course, remember the little tiny plants go into tiny pots and, and, you know, bigger plants into bigger pots. Um, it can be very hard to take little plants and put them into big pots, hard on the plants. That's super. Thank you very much for your help. I appreciate that. <laughs> You're very welcome. That's a, it's a really good analogy. Eh? Like, don't bug your plants in the winter. It's like poking a bear when it's hibernating. But but it is true. Like, we're, we're inside now. We're going, I need to clean up that, you know, whatever plant. I should have done that last spring. So hold off if you can. I understand sometimes you have to transplant or you, you know, you're, you know, there's things sometimes you just have to do at this time of year. But if you can hold off, I recommend you do so. And concentrate all your effort into carving pumpkins and get out there and start collecting leaves and putting them on the garden and, you know, do the kinds of fall activities that are so important. And even, uh, you know, get out there and pull some crabgrass if you've got any of that growing in your garden. Nobody likes crabgrass. And remember, crabgrass plants will die this winter. But before the crabgrass plant dies, it will eject up to 60,000 seeds from the one plant. And the seeds will sit there all winter and be all ready to go in the spring as soon as the weather starts to warm up. So if we can pull the crabgrass plants with the seeds still on the plants before winter, that's a very good thing for you know, saving us work next spring. So listen, we do have to take one quick, one more, I was going to say quick break. And it looks to me like we've got Elaine waiting on the line, calling in from Markham. So when we get back, Elaine is the first person we're going to speak with right after this. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All right, we've got a number of callers on the line, so let's get to the phones. Elaine is calling us from Markham. Good morning, Elaine. Oh, hi there, Charlie. I'm calling about an amaryllis. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, last year I had this gorgeous amaryllis, so and I stuck it out in the garage in this early, early after Christmas. Planted it in the spring in the pot, and yesterday I decided I would dig the pot up mm-hmm. because I didn't want it to freeze out in the garden. So I pulled the, the amaryllis out of the pot, shook off the soil, mm-hmm. and oh my goodness, that pot was full of these white roots. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> now, I, love I shook the, the soil off it and I've just put it in the pot with nothing else. So, what do I do? Do I leave it with nothing or do I repot it or what? Okay, so let's just let's think about this amaryllis. Did it bloom for you last year at all? And oh, if yeah. so, when? it was a new so, bulb last year. Right, so it bloomed like last Christmas time, uh-huh. roughly. 
Okay, so the reason it did that is because amaryllis are originally from South Africa. So their summer is our winter and our winter is their summer. So that's why they are, bloom in the winter and, and why that's the cycle they're on, if you will. So after a plant blooms, whether it's a daffodil or an amaryllis or, or a rose tree, we have to let that bulb or that plant rejuvenate uh, by letting green leaves grow. So the flower is finished, and this is true of amaryllis. Usually in January, the flowers are done, but green leaves start to emerge. So what we want to do is, and of course the pots are inside because it's a tropical plant, uh, unlike our daffodils, which are outside and they're going to bloom in you know, May. And same thing, we're going to let the green leaves grow until the green leaves are finished growing. Now, in the case of daffodils, that's eight or 10 weeks. In the case of amaryllis, they'll actually keep growing green leaves if we let them and they'll just never go dormant. So uh, mine, for example, have been s still in their pots outside all summer. They're still outside right now, but I will be bringing them in the house yeah, within the next week or so, and once I bring them in with the green leaves on them, uh -huh. it's at that point that I'm going to force them to go dormant. I'm going to force them to go dormant by no more water and no more light. Okay. And by doing that, the flower buds will start to grow, the flower stalk. So in your case, it's been growing all summer, it sounds like. it's got The plant is fat and juicy and healthy and lots of roots. Uh -huh. Are there green leaves on your bulb right now? Oh, yes. Yeah. So what I would do is I'd get it into maybe you need a slightly bigger pot than what it was in. Make sure it's clean pot, clean, fresh potting soil. I would pot it up, make sure only roughly a half of the bulb is under the soil. The other half is above the soil. So, you know, you, it's, um, you, we, it's raised high in the pot generally. Get that sorted out. Give it one thorough watering. Uh, let that settle in with the soil, the new soil, the water, etc. And um I, it's in the house now. I would leave it in the house. And um, yeah, it's similar to me. I'd be looking at you putting yours into a dark, no more water situation within the next, you know, two, three, four weeks if you want it to bloom for Christmas. Oh. So I should put soil back around it then now? Yeah. yeah the only time you see amaryllis happy without soil around their roots is if they've been waxed. I don't know if you've ever seen the waxed. Yeah. yeah, so they, they wax the bottom half of the bulb and they cut off all the roots. It's a one-year-only one situation. You can't keep that plant for the future, but for that one year, it just sits on a table with the bulb on the table, but the moisture is held in with that wax. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yes, it does, in order for that plant to stay alive, it does need moisture around, like soil and moisture around the roots. So when I bring it in and I've got it watered and everything for another month or so, will the yeah. leaves have died down again then? Not if you don't force them to. You know, you have to force it to go dormant by stopping watering and putting it in the dark. It doesn't okay. have to be like cold. Give it, give it a good watering now and then yeah. no more. Exactly. That's what I would do. With give it a good like plant, pot it up, fresh soil, fresh pot, thorough watering. Let it use that water. That water's going to you know the moisture's. You don't want to put it in the dark when it's soggy and wet, right? Okay. So let. It, the, the water be used by the plant, let the plant settle in, and then into the dark it goes for uh, a period of, you know, whatever, n a number of weeks. It will, the, the flower 
buds will grow in the dark. That's the amazing thing. If you pull them out too early, sometimes you just get leaves. But if you just leave them in the dark, ignore them, check them every day, one day all of a sudden all these flower spikes start popping out of the bulbs. Perfect. Okay. Let us know how that works out. It should be fine, though. It sounds like it's a happy amaryllis with big solid roots like that. It'll be good. Thank you for calling. Yes, we're getting to that time of year, aren't we? Christmas cactus, amaryllis. My Christmas cactus is outside, just in case you're wondering, uh, out on a porch. So it's not getting a ton of direct sunlight. This is an eastern-facing porch, so morning light, but it's the cool temperatures. Uh, The one Christmas cactus right now is covered in buds. The other one is being a little bit cranky and hasn't yet set a lot of buds. But that's one of the best ways to get your Christmas cactus to bloom is if you can get them outside, get them into the cool temperatures, the short days, short days, long nights, and your Christmas cactus will respond. Um, Now, you're going to water only as necessary. Water thoroughly when you water a Christmas cactus, but let it drain down in between waterings. Uh, And... Know in your heart of hearts that the instant you bring that plant in, when it's covered in buds like that, the buds are going to pop open within almost hours. So if you want to keep it in bud until Christmas, you're going to have to keep it cool until Christmas. Now, it will take a light frost. Christmas cactus can get right down to, you know, minus one, minus two. But as soon as we're down to hard, deep minus 10 frosts, you got to get that Christmas cactus inside the house into a warmer temperatures. And certainly a, a cool basement, as long as it's bright, can work as well. So, you know, we all have kind of different ways we can keep plants at their best but depending on what you've got, the light levels in your house, the, the cool rooms, the warm rooms. But no plant in your house wants hot air drafts. So if you've got that forced air furnace starting up anytime soon, make sure you've got vent deflectors or the plants are well away from the vents and there's no hot air blowing on them. Right. Oh, well, it's time for our very last break from each other. I'm not going anywhere. I'll be right back. We do have a number of callers still on the line. It looks like Lorraine or Lorianne might be our next caller calling in from toronto so as soon as we get back from this important message we'll see what's going on at laurianne's place right after this daffodils and daisies bluebells and begonias for scythia and foxgloves marigolds magnolia lavender and lupins dahlias delphiniums stalks fox hollyhocks tulips and sweet williams you've picked the right place for everything floral This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All right, it's true. This is The Garden Show, and we only have a few minutes left. And we do have some callers on the line. So let's see what's going on at Lorraine's place. Good morning, Lorraine. Hi, it's it's Marianne. Oh, Marianne. Good morning, Marianne. Hi, Charlie. How are you? Uh, Excellent. You're calling in from Toronto? Yes, that's me, yeah. Um, I have a Japanese maple. It's it's in a 14-inch pot right now, and I wanted to transplant it into the garden. Um, mm-hmm. I noticed it has white on the main stem. I'm not sure if that's a bad sign. Well, what kind of white? Is it like oozing white, or is it fluffy white, or, or just what kind of white? Can it wipe off white? <laughs> um, whitish gray. It, it's almost all over the entire main main stem. Not the branches, but the main stem. Could be lichen. L-I-C-H-E-N. Lichen. Lichen is not a bad thing. So is Are that okay? Any- I, I'm not sure if it's uh, if it's. It doesn't look. 
Well, the leaves are green, but the tips are turning brown. Yes. I'm just wondering if it's if it's healthy or not to transplant well, into the garden. So is this is a plant you bought recently, obviously? Um, the late spring. Oh, okay. So it's been in the pot all summer. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you've been careful to keep it watered and sheltered and, and happy? Yes, yes. It sounds like it. If the leaves are still on it now, then it obviously hasn't suffered too much in all the heat and the drought that we had. Uh, do you see any visible cracks in the bark of the main stem? No. Any? Okay. So I, I, personally, I, I wouldn't worry about it. I mean, uh, use your thumb and rub the, the main stem. See if that white comes off. Don't use any sharp tools. Don't use any, you know, wire brushes or anything like that. Just see if it's a superficial. Sometimes we get, you know, s- simple things like powdery mildew, which looks like white powder on the usually leaves of plants, though not typically Japanese maples. It'll rub right off. And you know that's a superficial fungal disease. And if leaves of any of your plants are diseased right now with any kind of mildew, of any kind remember don't worry about it these leaves are done this season's almost over next year's a whole new year we get a whole new set of leaves next year but good garden hygiene is the name of the game so any diseased leaves that fall off our plants need to be gathered and removed from the property just to try and avoid the diseases for next year uh in the case of your japanese maple like i say it's if whatever's on the stem rubs off easily feel free to do so lichen is um a, it's a funny sort of it's not a plant it's not an animal nobody really knows what it is but lichen uh will grow on the bark of trees and it's actually uh, an indication that your air quality is very good so don't be stressed about lichen I'd, I'd get it in the ground sooner than later the rule of thumb is get the plants in the ground at least six weeks before the first hard frost that way the roots get a chance to get a little bit of growth a little bit of establishment before winter really hits make sense so much thanks for calling Marianne and her japanese maple and that's true with anybody who's got plants kicking around from uh, in pots If you know where they're going in the garden, get them in the garden sooner than later. If you're not sure where they're going, then consider just planting them, leave them in the pot, plant pot and all into the garden. And of course, the idea there is to do that because um, we want to um, just keep them alive. It's warmer below ground than it is above ground. Let's see. I think we can probably fit in one more call. And it looks like Nancy might be next in line calling from Burlington. Good morning, Nancy. Good morning, and thank you for taking my call. I wish I could talk to you about uh, something nice like amaryllis, but I'm going to talk to you about a root. Uh, it's deeper than my trowel can get to, but it produces all sorts of lateral um, roots. And um, I-, I clean it out at the beginning of the season, and uh, by the end of the season, I can't get my trowel back in the, in the uh, garden. It's just a little root. Are the roots growing from a nearby tree, or what, what, what are the roots from, do you know? I have no idea. I have trees um, on the property, um, but um, I have no idea um, whether it belongs to one of the current trees or whether it's a root on its own. I don't know. But, um, you know, it's just so frustrating because I can't keep my gardens clean, and it takes forever. Yeah, and it's hard to get through. Well, but I mean, keep in mind that for roots to grow, there must be something above ground, some plant part above ground that's green. 
Yeah, that's it. Could it be from the neighbors? Like, how close are you to your neighbor property when where you see all this rootiness? Uh, well, you know, on a normal uh, uh, distance, uh, it's an older home, so it would be a wider loss than uh, you know, what? You know the, it's the hard to. Ones. Yeah, so, well, bottom line, Nancy, it's hard for me to know for positive over the radio and by phone exactly where those roots are coming from. It's definitely possible that it could be coming off cedar trees or a very, like a, a willow tree, something that's a very um, rooty type tree. What do you do? There isn't a lot you can do other than sharpen your shovel, get in there and do what you've got to do uh, for digging out. And like you said, digging in the spring, you end up with double as many roots in the fall because you actually stimulate more root growth when we cut them in the spring so it's a bit of a challenge you might want to consider getting somebody in uh, local to just give you a better analysis somebody coming on the property you know landscape designer or horticulturalist i'm so sorry i have to let you go it uh, we're coming down to mere seconds so i just want to say thank you to everybody great calls we'll see you all again next week when we do this all over again until then bye for now this has been an exclusive podcast of the garden show with charlie dobbin Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.